So, so tonight's going to be different, okay? It's going to be very unusual tonight. We, we don't do this hardly ever, ever at all. And I would tell you up front that for most of you, this is going to be very boring and very redundant. I'm just telling you that up front, all right? And really, really, I have a, my audience tonight, intended audience, goes beyond just here. Um, there's, there's a subject that has come up in conversations with preachers a couple of times this year. And I really want to just cover some material, put it out there, and, and if anybody's interested, then it would be there and they can avail themselves of it. We have, over the course of the years here, we have, we've covered the King James Bible issue a, a number of times. I have taught it the history of the King James Bible in Sunday school. Um, we have done series on it. We've done basic manuscript evidence. I've taught it in Bible Institute. We've done the verse comparisons. Brother Sam Gipp has been here. So we, we've covered this material. And, and when you do a verse comparison on a, on a modern translation, you pretty much just copy that for all of them, just about, because they all come from the same source, all right? So there's nothing new tonight. There's maybe a little bit, but, but, but mostly you're going to know this. And, and for most everybody here, you're going to agree right down the line with me, and you already know this, and you already know the verses I'm going to go to and what they say, and because you've sat under other men that have covered this, and so, so this is old, old hat to you. Now, there might be somebody here tonight that, that says, all right, I, I use a King James Bible. I prefer a King James Bible. To be honest with you, I don't know why. And if that's the case, then tonight I will give you some information. I'll give you some ammunition and hopefully, if, if you are shaky on that, then I hope that tonight that you are less shaky on that. All right? That would be my, my goal. But for the most part, everybody here believes what I'm going to say. And tonight, I'm not going to do a defense of the King James Bible. That's, that's not the intent of tonight. But there is, a, there is a modern translation that has come out that is very, very popular. And tonight, all that I want to do I want to talk about that translation. I'm going to deal just with that one, tell you where it came from. I'll read some quotes from the preface of it. We will do some basic verse comparisons at the end, and, and that'll be it. I have one with me tonight. It is a contemporary English version, CEV, CEV. And so I have a copy. I, all of the Christian bookstores, Family Life and, and all of those, they're all shut down. And, um, and so I had to go to Books a Million and get it. And so I, um, I, had a, um, I had a Books a Million gift card that had $23.88 left on it. And so I was able to get that free. I didn't have to spend any money on it. And so praise the Lord for that. And so I own a contemporary English version. And tonight, I'm just going to talk about that Bible right there. All right, that's what I'm going to do. Now, you don't even have to open your Bible, all right, because I'll, I'll put a lot of verses on the screen here in a little bit. But let me just start tonight with our position, just in case there's somebody who doesn't know. We are, Victory Baptist Church, we are King James Version only. That is our position. Now, now to some people that means that we are cultists, that we brainwash people, that we are ignorant of facts of Bible translations, whatever. But that is our position, all right? Has been for a long time. It will be for a long time as well, all right? That is where we stand. We believe, we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God. Every single word. Not just thoughts, but every single word. 
all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You've heard me say before, if it is not Scripture, then it's not inspired. But the Holy Spirit of God inspired holy men to write down the words of God using their personality and their style and their background. But we begin with inspiration. We further believe that God has preserved His Word. Every single word. Psalm 12 and verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God's Word was originally written in what are called the original autographs. And then they were copied, and then copies of those copies were made, and copies and copies. And then those books and epistles and gospels were then translated into other languages besides Greek and Hebrew. And, and so over the centuries, there have been thousands and thousands of translations and, and copies, and eventually in the multitudes of languages. But God has kept His Word. And all of those manuscripts, not one word has been lost. We further believe that the authorized version or the King James Bible that was published in 1611 is the crowning act of preservation for God's Word. Uh, I, I won't go into the process. We won't go into the history. The translators, none of that tonight. But I believe that God providentially and God supernaturally guided the translators to produce an English Bible that was the perfectly preserved Word of God. We believe that that Bible, the one that I have before me tonight, is inspired. Not because of double inspiration or a new revelation given to those men, but because it is the same inspired Scripture as what was originally written. So I believe that my Bible is perfect. There are no mistakes. There are no better renderings. There are no... It could have or should have been something. No, none of that. None of that. Now, now, if you have grown up in a church that believes that and teaches that, if you have been King James only all of your life, then, then, then you would know that. You would know all the arguments and everything that I would say. And most likely you would not know or care much about what the other side has to say. You know that there are other translations. You've been taught that they are corrupt. You, you know verse comparisons and maybe some manuscript evidence. But we don't interject ourselves into those conversations on the other side. And, and by that I mean you probably can recite to me the history of the King James Bible, but you may not know the history of the New American Standard Bible. We haven't concerned ourselves with that as much as we have our side. You, you, you would know the translators and how a King James Bible was translated. You might not know or care how a Revised Standard Version was, was, was published or how it was translated. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to go behind the scenes into the world of a, I almost said corrupt, a contemporary, a contemporary English version. All right? That, that's what tonight... And again, tonight is not a defense of the King James Bible. It is, but I'm not dealing with that. I've covered this material many, many times before. But I'm just going to look at one 
of more than 200 modern translations, and I want to show you what is wrong with this one. Now, here's the reason why I want to do that. It's because this Bible, the contemporary English version, has become the number one modern Bible translation for the evangelical world. There are so many young people, college and career young people, who are reading evangelicals and even Baptists that have adopted this and are using this. They're using it in their pulpits and, 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 and are moving toward this. This is the one. And, I, and I'll say this tonight, and I'm not just trying to throw out red meat, but if I pastor this church for another week, for a pastorate for another 50 years. We'll never use any translation in this pulpit or for any purpose other than a King James Bible. If a man were to get up in this pulpit and begin to read out of this Bible, the contemporary English version, or any other translation, we would stand up and stop him in the middle of the sermon. That's how narrow... That's how fanatical, that's how weird that we are. And I just want to state that I, I want that to be clear. Now, for over 30 years, the evangelical world really embraced two modern translations, the New International Version, NIV, and the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. The New American Standard Bible came out in 1971. The NIV came out two years later in 1973. For years, those have been the two most popular modern Bibles. All the commentaries and study Bibles were being based off of those two. But here is what they said about the NIV and the NASB. They said that the NIV was more of a paraphrase, not a literal word-for-word -word translation. The New American Standard Bible was more literal, but it wasn't as readable. Now, I'm not going, going to deal with formal equivalency and dynamic equivalency. You, you can look that up. But here's what they said. The New American Standard Bible is to be loved because it's literal. It's just not as readable. The NIV is to be loved because it's so easy to read. It's just not as literal. So for years, their choice was you want the literal but not readable or you want the readable but not literal. Well, what a choice to make. Well, in May of 1997, James Dobson, Focus on the Family, called for a meeting of some of the leading evangelicals and scholars of that day. They met at the Focus on the Family headquarters in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in May of 1997 to discuss producing a new version of the Bible. Now, here's what James Dobson was concerned. Just recently before that, the NIV committee had come out and announced that they were going to do an updated version of the NIV and that it was going to be gender neutral or gender inclusive. The TNIV, today's NIV. Zondervan, Zondervan who publishes the NIV, said we're going to make the NIV gender neutral. There was a huge outcry against that in the evangelical world. So Zazanovan so backed off of it. They eventually did produce that in 2003. 
So Dobson calls these leading evangelicals together to discuss a new version that will not be gender neutral. We're against this gender neutral, gender inclusive language, which I am as well. So we need to produce a new version of the Bible that takes a stand that's not gender neutral. So as they met, it became clear that they have more problems with the NIV than just that. They wanted to produce a new version, but they didn't want to base it off of the NIV. They wanted it to be more literal than the NIV, but they wanted it to be more readable than the New American Standard Bible. And so it's going beyond just keeping the, the gender inclusive, just beyond that. And so the consensus was that we will use the revised standard version. Now the revised standard version came out in 1952. And then it's been revised several times. In fact, it had been revised in 1989, just a couple of years before this. That's called the, the new revised standard version. So Dobson's group said that we want a different revision, even different than that. We want a newer one besides the new revised standard version. One of the leading men on that committee was a man named Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem is a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School outside of Chicago, Illinois. So Wayne Grudem and the president of Crossway Publishers, a man named Dennis Lane, went to the publishers of the RSV to get permission to use that Bible and revise it and make a new translation. They wanted to use the 1971 version, and then they could make as many changes as they wanted to. The publishers, the owners of the RSV, agreed. You can use the 1971 with our permission, make as many changes as you want, and produce a new Bible. So they began work in 1989, and in 2001, this is the result. They came out with the contemporary English version. Now, a good question to ask is, where did the RSV come from? That's the base. That's where we're starting with. So who owns the RSV? Since that's the base this is going to be just a revision of it, then it would help to know if the RSV is any good or not. You see, the Bible says in Luke 6 and verse 34, For a good tree bringeth not corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. I have an RSV in my office in the back. I didn't bring it out because I didn't want to bring a stack of Bibles. The RSV was published in 1952 by the National Council of Churches. To this day, it owns the copyright to all editions of the RSV. When Crossway Publishers and Wayne Grudem went to the owners of the RSV to get permission, they had to get permission from the National Council of Churches. On the title page of this Bible, and Aaron, if you can put the first quote up for me tonight, if you can do that. This is on the title page. The Holy Bible, English Standard Version, is adapted from the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, Copyright Division of Christian Education of the National Council of Churches of Christ in the USA. So it is owned by the National Council of Churches. 
Now, the National Council of Churches is a network of 40 organizations or 40 denominations. It is one of the most liberal, socialistic, Marxist, heretical groups ever assembled. They are not orthodox. They are not Christian. They, 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 they promote everything from social justice to communism to Marxism. So you do the research and you would be abhorred at some of the things that are promoted by the National Council of Churches. They own the RSV, and that became the Bible to produce this Bible. Now, that is your first red flag, that there could be something wrong with this Bible. Could be. And then, and then I always look at who endorses this Bible. Who, who endorses it? Well, it would be easier to say who doesn't endorse it. Now, some of these names you'll recognize. Some of these names won't mean anything to you. R.C. Sproul, Steve Brown, Al Mohler, John Walbert, Philip Ryken, Eugene Merrill, David Platt, Kent Hughes, Kevin DeYoung, Jerry Bridges, John Piper, J.I. Packer, Brian Chappell, Matt Chandler, Max Lucado. Now, some of those names you recognize, maybe some of you don't know. These are the leading scholars of the evangelical world. They all have. The Gideons have announced that they would be switching from the New King James Bible to, 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 to the English Standard Version. Over a hundred million copies of this Bible have been, have been printed. And over a hundred million electronic copies have been distributed as well. So it is very easily one of the most popular and widely distributed versions in all of the world. Now, there's a very important question that I want you to stay with me. What is the textual basis for the English Standard Version? It's not a brand new made-from-scratch translation. As I already said, it's a revision of the RSV, but it was also translated using Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. And that would be right. In translation, you don't go from one language to the next. You always go back to that original language. And this is where the publishers of this Bible began to pour on the lies. And the first lie is that the English Standard Version is just like the King James, only better. If you put that next quote on the screen for me, Brother Aaron, if you would, and I'm going to run through quotes pretty quickly. Here is the preface of this Bible. Would you believe it took nearly 500 years to translate the ESV Bible? That's because the ESV builds on the great translations of the past, including William Tyndall's New Testament of 1526 and the King James Version of 1611. So for all of you King James lovers out there, this is in the same line. It's not radically different. It just builds on the great, condition, great tradition that's time-tested and trusted by the King James Bible. Well, that's wonderful. Beautiful. Well, it gets even better. Again, these are all from the preface of this Bible. The Bible says everywhere it was breathed out by God. For this reason, the ESV seeks to translate the original Greek and Hebrew words with the greatest possible accuracy and precision. The goal of the ESV is to render literally what is in the original allowing the reader to understand the original on its own terms rather than on the terms of the present-day culture. 
Each word and phrase in the ESV has been carefully weighed against the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek to ensure the fullest accuracy and clarity and avoid under-translating or look, overlooking any nuance of the original text. The ESV is an essentially literal translation that seeks as far as possible to capture the precise wording of the original text and the personal style of each Bible writer. It seeks to be transparent to the original text, letting the reader see as directly as possible the structure and meaning of the original. In the preface to this Bible, they stake a claim to the original text 27 times. There is one slight problem with that. There are no original texts. There are no original manuscripts. Nobody's ever seen the original manuscripts. They don't exist. What you have are copies of copies of copies of copies. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He did not say that the original manuscripts that are written on would not pass away because they have. The words will not, the original manuscripts will pass away, but not the words. Now, when somebody says, and you got to listen, when somebody says that he believes in the inspiration of the Scripture as contained in the original, what he's saying is he believes in something that doesn't exist. When the preacher stands in the pulpit and says that in the original, this verse says, he's telling you something he has no evidence for. And anybody trying to say your Bible, claiming, claiming it retains the original text, is claiming something he has never seen. Now, you got to stay with me, all right? If the originals do not exist, then how do we know that our Bible is true? How do we know where it came from? What evidence do we have that the words that I am reading are the same words spoken by God and written by Paul and Peter and all the others? And that's where manuscript evidence comes in. And we don't claim the originals, but we do weigh the evidence of thousands of manuscripts that have been preserved. And we're not going to get deep into this at all this, this, this evening. But manuscript evidence is the entire body of evidence from copies and copies and copies. And then you have early Bible translations such as, as Old Latin and Syrian and Coptic and, and the Peshitta and things of that nature. And then you have references church fathers that would write verses down in their sermons or psalteries or hymnals. And you take every piece of scrap of information that, you, that has a Bible verse on it from all the way back to the first century. That's the physical evidence that we have for our Bible. But in all of those thousands and thousands and thousands of resources, there's not an original in any of them. Now, now again, I'm not, I'm not going to get deep in the woods, but, but here's the most basic explanation that can be. There are 5,686 pieces of manuscripts or parchment that has a Greek New Testament on it that goes all the way back to 125 AD. That's the earliest. Some of those parchments have just a few verses. A few of them have complete books like the book of Galatians. Besides those Greek New Testament manuscripts, there are over 19,000 manuscripts in Latin and Coptic and Syriac and all of that. And all of those Greek New Testament manuscripts have been brought together and scholars have collated them and they basically have said that there are two families or two lines of manuscript. There is an Alexandrian and there is an Antioch or received text. The Latin for received text is Textus Receptus. You'd be familiar with that. The Textus Receptus is also called the majority text. And the reason it's called the majority text is because 
of all of those Greek manuscripts that have ever been discovered that you and I can't read, 99.2% of them agree with the majority text. The competing text to the Textus Receptus of the majority text is called the Westcott and the Hort text. It's based on two Catholic manuscripts, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. Now, now that's manuscript evidence for somebody who has never heard the term manuscript evidence. Your King James Bible was translated from the Hebrew Masoretic Old Testament and the Greek Textus Receptus. Nearly every modern English translation from 1881 all the way to now comes from the Westcott and Hort text. Now again tonight, we're not looking into the corruption of the Westcott and Hort text. You, you have to research that. That's not the purpose of this hour. But I'm talking about where did this Bible come from? From the, press, from the preface of the English Standard Version, would you believe it took nearly 500 years to translate the English Standard Version Bible? That's because the ESV built on the great translations of the past, including William Tyndall's New Testament of 1526 and the King James Version of 1611. And I read that to tell you, that's a lie. It is a lie because it didn't come from the same text as the King James Bible. You can read in the preface the Greek text that they use, and it's not the Textus Receptus. It is the Westcott and Hort text. On the website for the ESV, there is a page from KJV to ESV, A Historical Legacy. Here's the quote. With the greatest respect for the KJV and deep gratitude to its translators for their work, the ESV translation team endeavored to carry on the KJV's historic translation legacy in a way that is fresh and compelling for today and that will endure for generations to come. Watch this. As the direct descendant of the historic King James Bible, the ESV retains the beauty and majesty of the original languages and the rich theological words of the Bible in English. That is a lie. Do you understand that? The ESV is an RSV. Less than 10% of the words in the RSV were changed in this Bible. For years, even liberals, even liberals wouldn't use the RSV because it was so liberal, but change 10% of the words and give it a new name, and now it is the most popular translation out there. So I just say to you that it is a lie that this is just like the King James. It is a lie that it is in the same historical legacy. It is a lie that every word has been weighed against the original text. It is a lie that it comes from the same body of manuscripts as the King James Bible. That is a lie. But I will tell you that the lies keep coming. Next quote. Also, the KJV was based on only a few original language manuscripts that were available 400 years ago. The ESV's translators, however, had the advantage of access to much earlier manuscripts and the most up-to-date scholarly research. The result is that the ESV carries forward the KJV's literary beauty and the essentially literal translation legacy based on the best original language manuscripts. That is a lie. The King James Bible is not based on only a few original language manuscripts. Over 90% of all Greek manuscripts agree with the text that this Bible came from. The truth is, is that it is the ESV that is based on only a few original language manuscripts. 
So, so again, again, it's just enough to say it is a lie. So very simply, very simply, and I'll get some, some juicy stuff here in just a minute, all right? Very simply, in 1952, the very corrupt National Council of Churches produced a very corrupt Bible called the Revised Standard Version. It came from the West Cotton Hort text. That translation was considered too liberal for too many, and it was never a dominant translation among, among conservatives. The ESV translators did not produce a new translation. They revised the 1971 edition of it, changed less than 10% of the text, gave it a new name. This is an RSV with 10% change. That, that's what it is. Now, what? It, uh, uh, that's fine. That's history, and that's text, and that's boring. But when you open it up, are there any problems with it? With it? Now, remember, the first concern of the committee was gender inclusive, Right? The NIV is going to go gender neutral, gender neutral. Now, here's what gender neutral means. Gender neutral means that you take masculine words like he, him, man, father, brother, and you neuter that. So it becomes they, people, persons, humans. That, that's what it becomes, all right? Now, the only reason that you would do that is to support the homosexual, equal rights, unisex, new age. That's the only reason that you do that, okay? How ironic, how ironic. That the ESV, which was supposed to be a challenge to the gender-neutral language, came out as gender-neutral as they were. It's just funny to me. In this Bible, the word man or men is neutered no less than 968 times. He, his, him is neutered 1,832 times. Now that's just ironic to me. So somebody lied again. We're going to produce a Bible, and we're going to make sure that it's not unisex, it's not gender neutral, and they went and they did the very thing. That's what they did. I'll just give you a couple of verses tonight, and, and, and I don't know if I'll give all of these errands, so you, you stop when I stop. Here's Matthew 5 and verse 13. Can you put Matthew 5 and verse 13 up? So, so ye are the salt of the earth. If the salt of lost the savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is sent forth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot of men. Underfoot of men. If you'll put the ESV up, uh, last phrase, it's had to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So they neutered it, okay? Neutered it. Matthew 19, Matthew 19, 22, 23, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. If you have the ESV up there, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven uh, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. See, see what they're doing there? See, it's neutering it is what it's doing. Uh, Romans 5 verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perviction for a good man, some would even dare to die. Put the next one up. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Now, I can give you hundreds and hundreds, and, I can give you hundreds of examples like that. Now, somebody says, well, that essentially says the same thing. Man, people, and, 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 and sometimes the word man in the Bible does mean mankind. I just ask you tonight, do you want a Bible that says we're going to protect the gender-specific words in the Bible and then do just the opposite? I would feel like that I have been duped. And that's what they did. Now, now some verse comparisons here real quick. Like every other modern translation, this Bible changes thousands of words and it omits 
tens of thousands of words. I think you can give me these verses, Aaron, if you can. Matthew 17, 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Pretty good verse. Matthew 18, 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That's another good verse. Matthew 23, verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye should receive the greater damnation. Mark 9, verse 44. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Two verses later. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. What do they all have in common? They are omitted from this. None of those verses are in this Bible. And... And, and dozens and dozens and dozens of more. Did you know, by the way, did you, and, and I, I just, I, after, well, you see the humor in it. Did, did you know that if you use an ESV, you would not know that Jesus agonized in the garden and sweat, as it were, great drops of blood? Because that statement is found in Luke 24 and verse 44. And they took it out of this Bible. So you wouldn't know. You, you, you wouldn't know that. Acts 8, verse 37. You, you know this verse. Philip said, If thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, for years, we've pointed that out in the NIV. They omitted it in the NIV. Well, guess what? They omitted it out of this one, too. Now, that's actually a good verse. And here's, here's what's so ironic about it. Here's what's so ironic about it. They don't even renumber the verses. If you go here, it's Acts 8, 36, Acts 8, 38. That's the next verse. They didn't even bother to renumber it, huh? Now, now somebody said, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Boy, these are the same things in the NASB and the New Living Translation and the NIV. Yeah, you know why? Come from the same root. That's why. It's coming from the same text. But real quick, we should turn to our Bible. So go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And, and this, is, this is just sad to me. There are men, young men, grew up in an independent Baptist church, sat on the King James Bible all of their life, that are switching to this. All right? Mark 16 and verse number 8. They went out quickly, fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Right after that verse in this Bible, there is a... There is a block. There is a block, like a paragraph marking, and it says some of the earlier, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include chapter sixteen, verse nine through twenty. So there are twelve verses that we're going to cast doubt on before you read. Uh, John chapter seven. John chapter seven. Here's another one. John chapter seven, verse fifty-two. John 7 and verse 52, they answered and said to him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look. For out of Galilee arises no prophet in this Bible. Right after verse 52, there is a paragraph block and there is a, an, a statement. And it says, The earliest manuscripts do not include chapter 7, verse 33, 53 through chapter 8, verse number 11. So there's another 12 verses just, just take right out of your Bible. Did you know the Bible has actually something to say about taking words out of God's book? Deuteronomy 4 and verse 2, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. Revelation 22, If any man shall add unto these things, and if any man shall take away from the books of the words of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. And the one I like, Luke 8 and verse 12, Then cometh the devil and taketh away his word. 
If you compare a King James Bible English Standard Version side by side, there are 33,000 words taken out of the New Testament alone. That's a lot. But, but you know, maybe it's just archaic words. Obsolete words. It really doesn't do any damage to the text, maybe. Okay. So Matthew 19. Help me out, Brother Aaron. Here we go. We're going to run quick. All right. Got, got to hurry. Got to hurry. and get hungry. Matthew 19, verse 9. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now that's in red because that's the part that's going to be taken out of the ESV. ESV version, I say unto you, whosoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. End of the verse. Luke chapter 9. Luke 9 and verse 55. The red, the red is what's going to be stricken out. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. ESV, but he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Oh, you'll like this one, Romans 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now that's an important part of that verse right there. ESV, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? Amazing. This one I don't understand. Romans 13 and verse 9. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandments, briefly come into the saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. ESV, for some reason, left out, thou shalt not bear false witness. I wonder why. First John 5 and verse 7. And you've seen, and if you've done any of this study, you know he's coming to this verse, all right? And they do it in every one. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That would be Trinity is what that would be. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So the ESV. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and water and the blood, and these three agree. Now, if you'll read those two verses, it will strike you. That's an amazing thing. Colossians 1 and verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. They take out through his blood. This, this one, I, I don't know, I don't know who, who was thinking this on it. 1 Peter 4 and verse 1, for as much as then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. ESV, they just left out two words. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. No, he suffered for us in the flesh. There is, there, there's a difference. It's called the vicarious atonement is what it's called. You know this one, 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now let me just stop right there. Who was manifest? Who was that? That was Jesus, wasn't it? He's God. That's what it says, God. So the ESV, great indeed, we confess this is the mystery of godliness he was manifested in the flesh. Who? Do you see the difference in that? You, you know this one. It, it gets old after a while. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which just weakens the naked nations? And some of you are saying, oh, we saw that in the NIV. I know, but I'm telling you, it comes from the same thing. It's the same source. 
So the ESV changes, Lucifer, how are you fallen from heaven? Oh, day star, son of dawn, day star. Well, what's the, what's the big deal? Did you know that just before that, Lucifer said, I will be like the Most High. That's what he said. I will be like the Most High. First Peter 1 and verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. You know who that's talking about? That's talking about Jesus Christ. He's the day star. There is not a Hebrew word in the Hebrew text of Isaiah 14 and verse 12 for, for, for star at all. So how did they change Lucifer to day star? I'll tell you why. Because Satan said, I will be like the most time. They've made him like the most time. I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. You could literally go all night long on it. So let's remove the word hell 40 times. Let's take devil and devils out another 83 times. You know, when the RSV came out, when the RSV came out, find a good camp meeting type song here in just a minute. When the RSV came out in 1952, one of the big cries against it was Isaiah 7 and verse 14, where they changed a virgin shall conceive, um, and they changed it to a young woman. Well, well, there's a lot of young women that was going to have a baby, but but only one virgin, okay? And so, and so, so they changed that. Well, there was such there was such an outcry against that attack, that blatant attack on the virgin on the on the virgin birth of Christ. That Bible started changing it back. And so the ESV corrected that. So they fixed that. It doesn't say young woman. It says, it says virgin, virgin. But they could not help get in a dig against the virgin birth. Because Luke 2 and verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. In this one, and his father and his mother marveled. Here's news for you. Joseph was not his father. Now, if a sincere Christian would really study this out, he would find all kinds of problems. So what you can't have is you can't have Christians studying. You can't do that. And there's, one, there's only one verse in your Bible that tells you to study. And that's 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Oh, we can't have that. So the ESV takes the only time, and it says, do your best. <laughs> if, you, if you want to just get plain ridiculous, give me a camp meeting song, and I really mean that. If you want to really get really, really ridiculous, Luke 4 and verse 4, temptation, Jesus answered, is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The ESV it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Left that out. Now here's the ridiculous part of it. They forgot Jesus was actually quoting Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Okay? So in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3, that he, may make, that he might make thee known that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. In the ESV, in the ESV, they got the original right in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. They left that in there. But in Luke 4, they have Jesus misquoting the verse. I, um, I, I know tonight, I, I know tonight that the established position here is King James only. 
And maybe you don't know why. Maybe you've just accepted it because the preacher said it. I, I don't know. And if that's the case tonight, then I hope I've given you some ammunition, some information. And what, what I said about this translation could very easily be said about all of the other modern translations. And some of the verses I went to tonight, you already knew that I would go to. You knew what they would say. And I'm telling you the reason why is because it comes from the same tree. It came from the same line of manuscripts. A young preacher talked to me just the other day. Young, the other day. Young preacher, good boy, good kid. And um, he teaches, I believe, the college and career class in his church. It is an independent Baptist church. And somehow this conversation came up. And I told him what I was getting ready to do. He said, boy, I'd like to hear that. He said, I have kids in my class that are asking questions about this. And he's got information. He's, he's a student. He's no dummy. And he said, boy, I need more ammunition. But I have kids in an independent, fundamental Baptist church, and they're asking questions. You can take what I have given you tonight, and you can multiply it a hundredfold. And tonight, I haven't proven to you, King James only. That's our position. We accepted the defense for another day. But I hope I've demonstrated tonight, tonight, that this one, this English Standard Version that is the most popular Bible out there now among evangelicals, widely accepted 100 million copies sold. I say this, I don't say it reverently, but I'm not trying to throw out red meat. That is nothing but one big lie is what that is. It, it, it is based upon a lie. It is built upon a lie. It perverts the word of God. And we are not backing down from our position on a King James Bible. That's what we are and that's what we'll always be. And when I retire at 99 or 98 or however old I'm going to be, and you get somebody else in here, and somebody else gets in here and, and wants to quote, I'm, I'm telling you, you got a camp meeting song because we need one, all right? I'm telling you, we're not going to quote it in a bulletin. We're, we're not going to, I, I listened to a preacher the other day. I listened to a preacher the other day. I love him. I love him with all of my heart. And they ordered church calendars. Church calendars that always prints King James verses, and they got the calendars, and there was different verses, different translations. And I listened to him get up and talk about how we were throwing all of these calendars in the trash is what we're doing. Yep.